Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode 52, The Disappearance of Myron Trailer. Hey everyone, welcome back to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode number 52 of the podcast, and we are going to be talking about another disappeared person's case. And it's really interesting. There's some kind of twists and turns at the end that we'll get into later. My only announcements are thank you for your support, and I'm happy to be back on the podcast. And I appreciate everyone who's reached out to me and told me that because of you guys, that's the reason that I do this. And it just means a lot that you guys reached out to me when I wasn't doing regular episodes and told me that, you know, you wanted me to come back and stuff. It really made me feel good and it really gave me inspiration to start the show back up and that's exactly what I've done. So thank you again for that. And that's really all I have for announcements. So let's just get right into the episode. This is about the disappearance of Myron Trailer, and he was born on October 1st, 1974 in the Phoenix, Arizona area. The summer of 1988, he was 13 years old and he just finished up sixth grade at an elementary school and was starting his summer vacation. He was described as a sweet and well-behaved boy. He liked to draw and read and was really active in church and school. He was eager to go on a church trip to Disneyland and was trying to raise money for it So he began to deliver newspapers in his neighborhood. He was really excited about that trip. Myron lived with his mother, Debbie, during the summertime. And during the school year, he lived with his aunt. And this allowed him and his brother to attend a better school than he would if he lived with his mother. At the time of his disappearance, his father was in prison. And it's unclear if he had a relationship with him or not at that time. His mother, Debbie, had a boyfriend at the time, and his name was Geddes Mintz. On July 27, 1988, Myron was walking to his grandparents' house with his mother in Phoenix, Arizona. And the residence was on East Pecan Road. And they were going to do laundry there because their machine was broken. So he was carrying a plastic bag full of dirty laundry at the time of his disappearance. He would stop at a fast food place called the OK Fish and Chips, which was located on 16th Street and Southern Avenue, and he went to purchase a drink while his mother continued ahead. The last sighting of him was at 6 p.m. outside the stand after purchasing a drink. Debbie would start to get worried, and at about 7 p.m., she went looking for him, but did not find him. This was very out of character for him. If he said he was going to be somewhere, he would be there. And he was not one to linger around and to get in any sort of trouble or anything like that. So she traced his steps and went to the OK Fish and Chips and spoke to a worker there who said that he left alone. So then right after that, Debbie went back and called the Phoenix Police Department. They at first, of course, didn't take it seriously, thought, oh, he's just either run away or he's just out with his friends or something. But eventually, at about 2 a.m., they sent an officer to take a report. And that officer 
took the situation serious and began a search for Myron. At first, Debbie was brought in for questioning because she's, you know, the closest to him, and she was quickly ruled out as a suspect. The police conducted many searches, and they decided that Myron was probably the victim of a crime and not a runaway. The only person of interest would be Debbie's boyfriend, Gaddis Mintz, because it was well known that he was involved in drugs and the local drug trade, and that Debbie was also a known drug user, and he supported her habit. One of the theories could have been that maybe Myron got mad at his mother for the drug use and confronted her boyfriend about it, and then he killed the boy out of anger. Myron's grandmother also said that Geddes came home that evening with his arm in a sling, but he told everyone that he had been bitten by a dog. Another theory would be that Debbie maybe owed money to Geddes for drugs and that she was unable to pay, so he retaliated and killed her son. But those are just theories. No one really knows what happened. Now, Geddes Mintz is currently in prison in Arizona. In 2009, he stabbed his girlfriend and her mother in Arizona. And this was not Debbie. This was another girlfriend after that. His girlfriend died from her injuries, and he was convicted of second-degree murder as well as aggravated assault. He was sentenced to 42 years in prison, where he is today. And to this day, he still refuses to be interviewed about Myron's case. In the year 1991, an anonymous letter came into the police department, and it claimed that Myron was buried on private property near 24th Street and Jones Avenue in Phoenix. Of course, they conducted a search, but nothing was found. Police now feel that he was killed near the Fish and Chips restaurant. His aunt, Sandra, also had an anonymous letter that came to her home, speaking about the disappearance. And one of the letters stated, quote, Hello, I am not going to leave my name due to fear of what may happen to my mother who still lives in Phoenix. As what I have say is the truth about some very bad, soulless bastards. Now, why isn't the Phoenix police doing anything about it since about a dozen people have come forth? The word on the street is that Kiko is a paid snitch working for them, end quote. It was typed on a typewriter and postmarked from Texas, but no return address was listed. And it would go on to name people that said that they were involved and talked about the Mexican mafia and all sorts of stuff like that. On October 22, 2016, Sandra moved into the home on Pecan Street, and she heard someone on knocking on her front door. And there were three men standing on her front porch, and they were shouting, My last name is Trailer, and I'm here from Texas. My mama told me I had a bunch of kinfolks out here. Are you family? And then they asked for her son, which was Martel, by name. And she was, of course, very terrified. And she was home alone, and she just did not answer the door. She told them to come back another time when someone else was home and would speak to them. But they never returned. And then she said that she regrets not opening the door because of the small chance that it could have been Myron. 
she, you know, doesn't know and she regrets that. But of course, she probably made the right decision because she was terrified and home alone. Myron's mom, Debbie, passed away in March of 2002, 14 years after her son's disappearance, and she was only 45 years old. Myron's aunt, Sandra, still advocates for her nephew and believes that someone knows what happened and wants justice for him one day. Of course, this family has never had any kind of closure on this case, and they missed out on so much with this boy, and this boy missed out on so much. To this day, his case remains unsolved. So that is the disappearance of Myron Trailer, And that is such a sad case because, once again, it's a child that goes missing. And he missed out on so much life that he had ahead of him. And he seemed like a really good kid that was not involved in anything bad. And was just a really sweet kid and did not deserve any of this. And if, you know, someone in his family got messed up in something, that's certainly not his fault. And it's really sad when the children have to take the punishment for what the adults do. But who knows what really happened? It could have been someone that he knew, or it could have been just, you know, an abduction by someone else that he, a stranger that he didn't know at all. But either way, it's incredibly sad. And especially for the family, because they don't have any answers still. Thank you so much for listening to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. If you could, please take a moment to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps the show out, and it helps others find the show. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. If you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can either email me, truecrimeworks at gmail.com, or send me a message on Instagram, at truecrimeworks. I check that pretty regularly. Thank you so much for your time, and I really look forward to talking to you next week.